0: Okay, just a minute. I'll be right there. I'm putting on my voice. <coughs> uh, okay, I think think I got it. Hey,
1: everybody, this is Johnny Lee. And you listen to my friend Lawn.
0: This as I am a Joe In My Humble Opinion Back to another edition of America's podcast, IMHO, in my humble opinion and that opinion would be mine. My name is Lon. I'm climbing up into the captain's chair, getting up into the seat, getting this thing fired up, getting the machine going. I want to thank you right off the bat for those of you that have interacted by sending uh, whether it be questions or comments about past shows or just something you want to get off your chest. Thanks for doing that. You can do it by going to Anchor's homepage and either leaving a voicemail there or you you can leave a written mail there as well. One last place, you can go to our inbox, leaddogonair at gmail.com. So do it. I've got a couple of pieces that I'll be sharing with you today about people that did indeed interact with IMHO, so thanks a bunch, we'll get to that, uh, let's see, what else do we, we've got kind of a variety of things going on, this is a variety show in the first place, but that said, I've got the three main topics like I always do, but I've gotten a lot of people interacting, so they've asked questions about animal behavior, they've asked questions about whether I have gotten involved in paranormal research of any kind, whether I believe in ghosts, so I'm going to add those to today's subjects as well. But the three main ones, A, things that always tell the truth. <laughs> good question, huh? That's a good thought, isn't it? I'll be also adding to that why we lie in the first place. Some of the telltale signs that we can look for whether someone is indeed lying to us. And if we say things like, I never lie, did we just lie? Wow. Also, in the three main subjects, B, I dropped my pickle. <laughs> Do you use the five second rule? Get into some of the details of that. A short answer in my house. <laughs> not happening. But I'll tell you why. It's not because of what you might think. We'll get to that. And the last part of the three main topics for today. Wow! Look at those super balls. No, really. Super Balls. I'm going to be talking about the Whammo Super Ball that almost killed hundreds of kids. I'm mocking that, of course, but I myself came away to, with more than one bruise. Let's put it that way. So, things that tell you the truth always tell the truth. I drop my pickle and look at those Super Balls. Those are the three main topics. We're going to come back and touch on the always tell the truth in just a second. So don't go away. I am H.O. Just like that, we are back. Lon sitting in the captain's chair, taking your advice, taking your emails, taking your messages at anchor.fm. So if you have anything you want to interact with us, that's the place to do it. Anchor.fm. Leave a voicemail or a written mail there. One of the things we are talking about today is things that always tell the truth and there's a list of three that you really need to remember things that always tell the truth young kids drunks and yoga pants I'm serious (laughs) things that always tell the truth we all lie at one point or another we can say i never lie i never do but i'm kind of thinking that in itself might be a lie come on we might let's call it stretching the truth at times that happens we are human let's be truthful about this (laughs) good choice of words there huh here are five things that people commonly say when they're lying common responses that just shouldn't be ignored So here goes five things that people commonly say that's about it well the word about is the word qualifier it indicates the speaker has more to say but doesn't really want to if the speaker told the entire story his or her response might be something like that's it the word about signals that the response falls short of the whole story. Truthful people generally overtell. They'll relate all the facts without fear of legal or social consequence. A deceptive person does not tell the complete story because there's something within it that they probably don't want to disclose. Number two in the five statements that should raise your red flag in the world of deception, you can't prove that. The word prove in itself suggests that evidence exists to verify the supposition or the accusation as it is, but the speaker failed to discover the hidden proof. Honest people don't think in terms of proof. They know that No evidence exists because there isn't any evidence. Just because a speaker accused you of it doesn't mean it's true. Deceptive people know that proof of their deception does exist, but the speaker has not yet discovered sufficient evidence to support that accusation. Number three in the list of five things we should watch for when dealing with deceptive people. They might say something like, why would I do that? Answering a question with a question is a huge red flag. It indicates the possibility of deception right off the bat. Honest people make direct denials. I didn't do that. They typically respond that way. Deceptive people are evasive, and when they're caught off guard, they need a little extra time to think of a believable response. So, more likely, you'll hear a a response like, Why would I do that? Because it buys that deceptive person precious moments to formulate a calculated response. Number four in the list of five things we should watch out for from deceptive people, are you accusing me? In addition to answering a question with a question, the accused may subtly try to turn the tables on his or her accuser, putting the questioner on the defensive. The unspoken words of the accused are, how dare you accuse me? Prepare to defend yourself. This subtle counterattack prompts the accuser to justify accusations. In doing so, the accused buys a little bit of time to press a counterattack or prepare a believable story. Simple answer to the question, yes, I am accusing you or I wouldn't have brought the topic up in the first place. That response parries the counterattack and puts the accused back on the defensive. And last but not least, in the list of five things that deceptive people use, and we should make note of the red flag, deceptive people often claim lack of memory. I don't remember doing that. This defense kind of sets up two traps. First, in order to not remember what you did, you must first have a memory of the event. By definition, to not remember something, you must have initially stored the information. The lack of memory indicates that the memory is stored in the brain, but that the person can't retrieve it. Hmm, that's a thought, huh? (laughs) So, honest people on the other side of that coin, honest people strive to do anything they can to retrieve a memory of an event. Deceptive people do not want to reveal remembered information for fear of revealing that truth. The second trap in this is kind of similar. A person can't say, I don't remember doing that unless the person remembers what he or she actually did. The word that suggests the person didn't remember doing a specific set of actions. In order to say, I didn't do that, the person has to know what he or she did do. So logically, how can a person say that he or she doesn't remember doing something when they have no memory of the event at all. The word that suggests memory of an event. A comeback to that would be, well, what do you remember doing? Honest people will tell you just that. They'll remember doing this or that. Dishonest people usually cling to the lack of memory by continuing to say, I don't know, I don't remember doing that. Detecting deception using verbal cues remains a difficult task. The best method to predict deception compares what a person says against external evidence or known truth. At best, certain statements can indicate a higher probability of deception, but there's no one verbal cue that accurately predicts deception. Could the person that has the voodoo doll of me, would you mind scratching its back? I'm on the air, and I I can't quite reach that one spot. I am H.O. Welcome back to In My Humble Opinion. We are going to address a couple of questions that came in. I got an email from Mason, and he has a fairly young, let's say about a year old, I think is what he said, a fairly young black lab, nicest dog on the planet, likes dogs, likes people, likes everything. Watches birds, big surprise for a retriever, huh? But Mason asked me the question... How do I get him to settle down? Whenever somebody comes to the front door, he is nuts. He jumps on them. He plays with them. He bites at their feet. He's just crazy. How do I get him to settle down? I was like, well, first of all, Mason, thank you very much for getting a hold of me through the email. That was at leaddogonair at gmail.com. That's where he wrote his question. My answer for that is kind of two and threefold, or it's it has to start with number one. He's a dog. And remember that dogs do certain things. They're four-wheel drive carnivores. They are opportunists. They are very highly excitable. That's number one. That's before anything else. Also add in that He is a male, so he is a little more excitable. He's not fixed yet, so he's being flooded with chemicals. They're going to be fixing him shortly because he just turned one. That will make a difference in and of itself. Now, that said, also keep in mind that your little foof is still part wolf after thousands and thousands of years of training and behavior and living together and interacting they are still in the neighborhood of 2% wolf DNA will prove that so be aware do a little bit of studies Uh, make sure that you understand the behaviors of a canine they are not a human and I go so far back as to childhood when we watched shows like Pluto or any others that personified dogs. They made them human, gave them factors that we felt sorry for and that kind of thing. And as we now know, knock that off. That's not a little boy in a dog suit. So make sure that you know that it is a different creature. Now, let's get to the meat of it. In an instance like that, I like to use the reward system and the denial system. Reward and denial. Reward meaning anything from eye contact to a pat on the head to a treat to acknowledgement. All of those fall under reward. Now, denial is a different thing. Denial means taking away privileges, not unlike go to your room, no TV, no cell phone for the weekend. Denial, you're taking away something that's very precious. And in a dog's case, your attention is probably by far the most precious thing that they are after. So that said, the reward and denial, the denial part is as soon as he comes up and starts jumping up on you or any form of excitement like he's going to, turn your back on him. Turn away from the dog. You're now speaking dog. If you've seen dogs in a park, a dog park together, a dog that does not particularly want to interact, whether it be fighting, scrapping, playing, whatever, I'm not ready yet, will hip-check another dog. You'll turn its butt to them, turn its back to them, basically saying, not interested right now. So you suddenly started talking dog to your dog, and he's going to recognize that if he keeps circling around to see you, keep circling around so he cannot turn your side, turn away, turn your head away. If he starts licking your hand, pull your hand away. Denial, you're taking away something that he so, so craves. You. Now, before we dive in and say, that's cruel, it's not cruel, it's tough love. It's what a leader in a dog pack and a wolf pack will do. I'm teaching you, I'm nurturing you. It's not smacking, it's not poking with a stick, it's none of those things, it's nurturing. It's teaching you, I do not want you to do this thing. Now the other side of that coin is immediate and swift response to him doing what you want. The moment he sits down, the moment he calms down, bam, you've got to be on it, praising him and letting him know that that is what you want. You can even put a word on it, whether you make it good settle, sit, stay, whatever, whichever one, pick a word for the action you want. And then when he does it, Praise him. Make sure that he knows this is what I'm after. This is what I want. This is what you're going to get praise for. And you get to jump and play and touch me and so on. That's the way you do it. It's not the way. It's one way. Thanks, Mason. Appreciate your question. We're going to be coming back with our second main section of the episode today. I drop my pickle. Do you use the five-second rule in your house? And as long as we're speaking just off of the dog segment, with that said, in my house, five dogs, five-second rule, (laughs) you're funny. Welcome back, thanks for sticking around Lawn in the captain's chair as usual We have covered things that always tell the truth Young kids, drunks in yoga pants And other information (laughs) I gave you a little bit of an update On a question that came from Mason He sent me an email and asked me about his excitable black lab Kind of touched on that a bit Right now, I drop my pickle Do you use the five-second rule in your house? Kind of a moot point in my house. I've got five rescue dogs. I've had up to eight at any given time. Try and keep it down to that number, because that's the legal amount. But five-second rule... Yeah, right. My oldest one is about a 10-year-old Chi-Chi, and everything in between. We've got a Rhodesian, we've got a Boxer mix, we've got a uh, Shepherd mix, and we've got a young guy that's a Boxer Husky, and he's about two years old. I'm telling you, if there is any crackling package within a three-block vicinity, he's on it. Five-second rule. My point being, there is no five-second rule in my house. It doesn't happen. If it hits the floor, it's a miracle. Let's put it that way. But I also bring this up because we as Americans tend to be a little sloppy about our food storage. And while it's funny to mention five-second rule and you can give your dogs leftovers and so on, that list of things that you can't give your dogs is growing every day. Just type in, pick pick a search engine, whether it's Google, Bing, GoDuck, whatever it is, and type in what should I not feed my dog? You're going to get a whole bunch of things and a lot of them that you might not really think about. Uh, my most recent one was a kiwi. I knew that the skins probably weren't great for them, but I recently learned that they are so high in fiber that they could very well mess with a dog's internal systems. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Things that you just have a piece left over, and just before you toss it to him, you think... Maybe I better check this first, just to be sure. And always do that, of course. Make sure you check what you should or should not give your dogs. Now, on the other side of that, our human storage is not so hot when it comes to our refrigerator. Have you just opened the door and looked into it? Generally speaking, the organization part of it is based on what we just had and what we just put into it. And we do a few things wrong, according to some professionals. Like example, I did not know this, but it makes complete sense that Little flip up butter door in your door is too warm to store butter. Now, before you say what, (laughs) basically, because we open and close the door numerous times, particularly if you have a bunch of people in the family, that section of the refrigerator is definitely never as cold as the section internally. So things that we always store there, half gallons of milk, butter, mayonnaise, none of those things should actually be stored in the door because it gets too warm there. Store things there like salsas and vinegar and soy, things that aren't going to be so dramatically impacted by any temperature fluctuation that's what i mean it kind of took me off guard too but it's what i do i pass it along to you five-second rule right here on IMHO. We are going to be coming back with a couple more sections. Not done yet. One, I'm going to answer the question of whether I feel ghosts and paranormal phenomenon are real. And then the final actual section, look at those super balls. I mean it. Get your head out of the gutter. I'm talking about the whammo super Superballs from a number of years ago that could almost beat you to death. <laughs> All of that is coming up. We are not done yet. So don't go away. Be right back on IMHO. What you listening to, son?
1: What's that sound? What are you listening to? you got to hear this. It'll change your life.
0: In my humble opinion, on Anchor.fm, and the world, world, world. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. We are going to touch on one other dog thing before we fly away. I also had somebody ask me this week, two people actually, ask me with my background in dog training and so on. What do I feel is the most intelligent dog breed Wow, that's kind of a big list. There are a lot of very intelligent dogs shepherds and and cattle dogs and I mean the list goes on and on. but my mind always goes back to the border collie. They have the ability to understand and utilize hundreds of words and phrases. They can make decisions on their own, they can reason things out almost in a frightening level sometimes. I liken back to a story that I've told here before in one of the first episodes uh, some time ago. I had a Border Collie Akita mix. Frightening intelligence. Like, do not leave the mouse out. You will have boxes of pig ears delivered. That kind of intelligence. And I worked for a pet products distributor at the time, and the reps knew that. And they brought me this large box, probably like... a. Uh, Oh, a clothes hamper size, a large clothes hamper size box full of stuffed toys, big ones, little ones, colored ones, uh, realistic, fake, crackly, just everything you could possibly think of. And they asked me if I would allow my Border Collie to pick her favorites, and those were going to be the ones that we used in our advertising and we were going to sell as products for the distributor. Well, I went home and I did just that, played with her a little bit with some of her own toys, brought the other dogs inside. I went out, dumped that whole box in the middle of the yard, brought her out, and she started sniffing it and circling it and just nudging it like they all do. And I thought, well, I'm going to leave you alone. Let's, Let's just allow you to pick your choice and we'll go from there. I came back about five minutes later, and she made her choice, let's say. She had taken oh, in the neighborhood of 50 toys, I suppose, and created two perfect spirals. Placing a toy next to the next one, nudging it in. Placing a toy, nudging it in. Placing a toy, nudging it in. Until she had a spiral. She did that with one pile being natural colors like the squirrels and ardvarks and hedgehogs and those that we've all seen the other pile was the odd colored ones uh, silver shimmery snakes uh, green bright birds things like that two distinct spirals of toys nudged in perfect spirals and perfectly tight you could use it as a rug my jaw dropped So I think I'm going to stick with it. My choice for the most intelligent dog breed, the Border Collie. There you have it. Okay, changing gears just a tad. Allow me to address the question that was posed to me. Do you believe in the paranormal? Do you believe in ghosts? And I would have to say my my short answer is yes. But I do that with qualification. If you believe in ghosts, you're not alone. Cultures around the world believe in spirits and survive that survive death to live on in another realm, as we call it. In fact, ghosts are among the most widely believed of all paranormal phenomenon. Millions of people are interested in them. According to a 2013 Harris poll, 43% of Americans believe in ghosts. The idea that the dead remain among us in spirit is an ancient one. It goes from the Bible to Macbeth. It even bond of folklore genre, ghost stories. Beliefs in ghosts is part of a larger web of related paranormal beliefs that also include things like near-death experience. Did you see that bright light, that tunnel, life after death, and even spirit communication. The belief offers many people comfort. Who doesn't want to believe that your loved one's are looking for you or they're still with you. If you have heard about the animal version of Rainbow Bridge, uh, Native Americans believe that animals go to Rainbow Bridge after they pass and they are allowed to cross into a better world. We as humans, if we have treated them well, the animals are the judge they tell the rest of them whether we are worthy enough to cross over that bridge and join them. So it's a spiritual realm. It's a a belief system. It's, they can't see us, we're in their spirit world. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. But my, again, my my first answer is yes, I do believe, but I also want to add things like, myself, I have always entertained the idea that there are little ripples in time, that there are uh, oh, let's say stacked pieces in time if you've ever looked inside of a car radiator, for example or you've seen, let's say, radiatori pasta the little rows that create sections, I've often wondered are there not sections of time? Whether it be this one is 3 o'clock on Friday in 2019, or this one's 2018, this one's 2017, and etc. Are there stacks of time that are at different speeds? And that might help explain things like you saw that motion, that person out of the corner of your eye, but when you looked, they weren't there. That might explain that. If it's just a wrinkle in time and you are allowed to see just a fraction of a second of that next speed, that next time, could that not explain little blips of visions that a lot of us get? Now, I'm not saying that's the definitive answer. I'm saying that's a possibility. I have always gone through it with the the thought that, yes, I do believe in ghosts, and I sure would like to see, and I'd like to communicate, and I'd like to be able to, but truth be told, every time I've done any kind of investigation, or even accidental investigation, if I just stumbled across something when I was by myself, my first thought is to debunk it, to find a way to prove it's wrong, to put a scientific edge on this, to show that, no, that wasn't a ghost, it was blah, blah. That orb was just a reflection of the light on your lens from that streetlight across the way. That type of thing. I will always try and debunk it. And if you then use that age-old theory that if you eliminate all the things that it is not, what's left is probably the truth. All righty then, all that said, if you don't want to wake up dead this time of year, wherever you are, be careful. Flu virus and illnesses are everywhere. Make sure you wash your hands. That's the single biggest one. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And a general rule of thumb for that is in your head sing happy birthday twice. That's roughly the length of time it takes to wash bacteria off of surfaces. And then as long as I'm on this subject, where can you find flu virus on surfaces? Think about it. Gas pumps, pens at the credit union or the bank, the cart at the grocery store, other people's door handles the flu virus lives on for roughly two hours on any surface so wash your hands wash your hands wash your hands and use sanitizer ready go I'll be wrapping it up here shortly, bringing you the very last section for this show. Look at those super balls! No, really, get your mind out of the gutter. I'm talking about Whammo super balls, the toy. Whew, man! <laughs> I'll be right back. Don't go away.
1: M.A. Joe on anchor.fm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And boom, just like that, we are approaching the final moments of this episode of IMHO. I know, cry, right? (laughs) I am bringing up the very last segment. Look at those Super Balls. Those are some Super Balls. Now get your head up out of the gutter! I'm talking about whammo superballs, the kids' toys that have been around since the '60s. Superballs—they're loved by children because of their extraordinary ability to bounce. In fact, physicists even like superballs. Example: Drop a baseball on the floor. It hardly bounces at all. Drop a Super Ball from shoulder height and it'll bounce back 92% of the way back up to the drop off point. Super Balls, just as bouncy vertically as they are horizontally. And that's where I'm coming from. When I was a kid, we had Super Balls. They just came out within, I was probably 10, I guess, nine, something like that. And What they are is a super compressed ball. It was invented and patented in 1964 by a chemist. Norman Stingley. They've always made of a synthetic material that he called z It's a polymer base, and it's got other materials, quote-unquote, a form of artificial rubber. And it was sold in stores by the wham Company for a while in the 60s. It was a big fad right up there with the Pet Rock that came later. Almost 50 years later, it is still sold by wham and it's possibly the biggest thing, the best seller among both physicists, kids, and scientists alike in all eras. Super Bowls, They've used them for a lot of different standards, a lot of different tests. It's become the standard physics demonstration. Papers are crammed with formulas, charts, and drawings. My personal version of it... When I grew up, we had a long, narrow, rectangular bathroom. You might be able to see where this is going. If you can imagine a ball that you can drop at shoulder length and it comes back to 92% of the way up, if you throw that ball downwards, it goes roughly three times your height up into the air. It bounces back. Well... Being one of three brothers, boys being what we are, we all went in there and experimented, went to the middle of the room and winged that ball as hard as we could against the wall. And all you could hear is... And the last thing... Ow! My eye! <laughs> Super balls, I'm telling you, they are right up there with jarts. And one other thing that was really cool about it my older brother was he had me by a few years, about eight years older, and he could crack a baseball. I'm telling you, he could put one out of the park. You probably see where this is going, too. <laughs> <laughs> we tossed that thing up in the air, just a a lobbing softball pitch. I am pretty sure he sent that into the next county. <laughs> Super Ball. Almost perfectly elastic, almost perfectly deadly. Super Bowl. Holy crap, the theme music already? That's Nancy Hand and the In The Corner Band taking care of the music right here at IMHO. Thank you. You can find the credits for songwriters on the Anchor page so you know who made the music around here. My name is Lon. I am very appreciative for the fact that you have been here today and every other episode. Please check them all out. If you go to the homepage of Anchor and subscribe, you'll get a notification that tells you every time a new episode posts. So make sure you do that. If you can click on the listener support button. It does things like gives us a chance to get people for interviews, to get different equipment and that sort of thing. Little or a lot or none. Either way, this is going to keep happening. I appreciate that. Share on Facebook. Share with your friends. Tell everybody. We want to get the dog pack as big as we can here. IMHO, in my humble opinion on Anchor.fm, on iTunes, on Google, on Spotify, on Dancer, Prancer, Donner. <laughs> it's everywhere. I am I appreciate that. The next episode should drop about the 15th of the month. I appreciate your coming back then. And in the meantime, don't spit into the wind, don't take selfies in the bathroom, and always listen when an old dog barks. For IMHO, I'm Lon, and I'm out.